Football's back, baby. FanDuel is too. That means you can start winning money, lots of it, in lots of contests, starting at just a dollar. Pick a contest, choose your team, watch your score in real time. There's nothing better than FanDuel and winning cash with the 2.5 million players who have already won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com. Hit the Join Now button and use our code PICK. That's P-I-C-K, PICK, to get free entry into the Sunday Million with over $1 million in cash prize. Do it now! Sports presents the Pick 6 Podcast, featuring CBS NFL writers Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, and host Nick Costos. You want NFL talk? We've got NFL talk. From training camp to the Super Bowl and through the NFL draft, our fearsome foursome has you covered. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. Pick Six Podcast Football Friday, Nick, Will, and JLC. Pete Prisco on assignment, Billy Brinson. Tell the listeners what we've got coming up on the pod. Oh, we got a whole bunch of good stuff coming up. Mainly, we're going to talk about Ezekiel Elliott. Things got hairy for Zeke as he filed a lawsuit against the NFL on Thursday night. Jim Irsay talking about Andrew Luck in week one. Joe Hayden signs with the Steelers. DeAndre Hopkins gets an extension Thursday preseason action. And it's cut down day around the NFL. All that coming up now. JLC, let's get right into it with Ezekiel Elliott. Look, there's a lot of mumbo-jumbo here. I don't understand it. I'm guessing the listeners don't understand it either. I'm hoping that you, kind sir, can break it down uh, for us. Well, I mean, look, I'm not going to go too down into the muck here. But, uh, you know, the, he he is not the first and probably won't be the last to allege that the NFL's investigative arm is not always um, – completely scrupulous in what they do is not always completely accurate in what they do. And he, like many players in the league, um, sort of uh, bristles at the notion of this in-house sort of, uh, you know, this in-house system of of justice. Now, the problem is a lot of this is already collectively bargained, but can you find a judge out there, and in this case, they, they shopped it to a district in Texas that they think will be sympathetic to their cause, and find one judge who says, you know what, there might be some sort of malpractice here. You may not have been granted justice. They may be violating your workplace rights and how this investigation was conducted and whether it was completely and entirely above board. Um, he's alleging a conspiracy of sorts. That I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. That seems very difficult to prove. Um, and we'll see where it goes. If, if he is granted a temporary injunction, then as we saw with Tom Brady and others, he'll be able to play while this sorts itself out through the court system. Ultimately, when you get to the appeals level, the NFL's record in this stuff is is pretty strong. Again, because a lot of it's written in the CBA or in the personal conduct policy or in the domestic violence policy. But he's alleging that you know this didn't this didn't basically go down as it should have, and that the primary witness the victim in this case, or if you want to say from a legal standpoint, I guess alleged victim. From the NFL standpoint, she's just a victim because they're saying Ezekiel Elliott did this stuff. Um, Tiffany Thompson, they're alleging that she's not um, credible and that there's too many irregularities and too many things that she did that should basically render her not a credible witness. And there it stands. The NFL's ruling Originally, they wanted to have that ruling out by 5 p.m. Friday. That's the, that's the quintessential news dump, right? A, fr- a holiday Friday at that. 
But because this appeal lasted three days, it may not come until Monday. It won't be much after Monday. Teams have to set their rosters. And in the meantime, that may all be trumped by whatever a judge rules at some point next week, which could be, again, yeah, I'm going to let this guy play while I sort out what happened here. It's, it is, it's, it's a wild, wild mess in the wild, wild west. And, um, I can't believe I said that, but, uh, I actually, Neither can I? I, I mean, like, like, I thought like it was going to Can you take somewhere. that back? Can you put those words back in your mouth and no, eat them? No, he can't. Well, it's like the toothpaste. Like Crisco with a protein over. bar. <laughs> I look in my defense. So I woke up at six forty six thirty this morning and had to dive neck deep into a 30 page lawsuit from Zeke. Yeah. No, wait, wait. Can I can I jump in here because Will Brinson's life is like categorically a nightmare right now. So he's got he's got a t- his wife's out right now. It's pouring rain where he's at in North Carolina. He's got a three and a half year old toddler basically and 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 a and an out of control puppy that won't stop going all over the house and barking, etc. here. Like I do not envy Will Brinson right now in his life. I I feel that pain. I, I know that drill. Yeah, so the Godspeed, I, William. Godspeed. No, I mean, you know exactly where it's at. I've seen the no, kid, I hear you. kid walk onto like a video set and like start shoving him. <laughs> Jason's just stone faced trying to maintain like a pro. I mean, this dog, this dog had gone rogue at six thirty. He's lying downstairs on the couch. He's got this like googly eyed, weird look, like look on his face, like he's hopped up on something. And I find this bag of Lucky Charms that he's dug into. Oh boy! That, that Robbie's preschool teacher had sent home. He's like, he's just like cracked out on Lucky Charms. So then I have to walk him and Robbie around in the rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. And now Robbie's up here doing puzzles in the office while we record this podcast. Something could go horribly wrong. But the the the, the real problem was I had to read this thirty page lawsuit, and yeah. it's interesting. And, you, and I'm just going to read this these two paragraphs in it. And and remember, these lawsuits are always slanted towards the whoever sure. right i mean like you can write whatever the hell you want in a lawsuit yeah but this is the, this is the part where they're alleging the conspiracy and what may mark one of the most fundamentally unfair arbitral processes conceivable elliot and the union were subject to an arbitration process in which among other things there was a league orchestrated conspiracy by senior nfl executives including nfl senior vice president and special counsel for investigations lisa friel to hide critical information which would completely exonerate Elliot, and they hid the information from Roger Goodell, the outside expert advisors who appointed Goodell or who were appointed to help Goodell, the NFLPA and Zeke Elliott, the Dallas Cowboys, and NFL fans. And then they add the critical critical information was the now undisputed fact that the co-lead investigator who conducted every fact witness interview in the investigation of Elliot, and that's Kia Roberts, the NFL's director of investigations, reached the conclusion. After reviewing all the evidence that Elliot's accuser was not credible in her allegations of abuse and there was not enough evidence to go forward with any discipline against Elliot. So this is, th- this, this is, is the insane. crux of the argument. Like, it's insane. It's insane. So, but th- what the NFLPA is alleging in this, in this complaint is that the lady who ran the inv- Zeke's investigation concluded that there was not enough evidence from the, from the alleged victim and the accuser and that her testimony was not credible enough to warrant punishing Zeke Elliott. But what the NFLPA is also saying is that she was not allowed to express that opinion in the in the report, and that she was not allowed to speak to Roger Goodell when or, or his advisors or anybody else. It's bananas, and it's it. And then you can tell in this, and this is inside baseball for like NFL people who cover the NFL, but you can see the, like just how much Jeff Kessler hates Oh, Jeff. it's Kessler. I was, I was just waiting to say, Kessler. like, that's Kessler's Shakespearean tongue there. I know it a million miles away. 
And but the best part is like there's all these like there's like five or six subtle references that you only get if you've covered a lockout or like the Brady stuff in, in really deep like depth. But like he like he he thinks Kessler is convinced this is Jeff Pash. You can tell that he's convinced it's Jeff Pash trying to do this. Well, he's, he's like, he Kessler keeps, sees collusion everywhere, which I get it. I mean, that's part of his job. But yeah, it reads almost like what the language you might see. Remember the collusion lawsuit from a few years back. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think so, you know, here's where, here's where it gets interesting. I mean, look, from a fantasy, I drafted Zeke Elliott in the second round of a fantasy no, Will, football draft. because here's the I'm, thing that's screwing everybody. Like, like we all have fantasy drafts right now. No one knows where to draft Zeke Elliott. Like, people are getting him. And I know this is, like, trivial compared to, like, actual real, but actually it's really not because yeah. people care more about their fantasy teams. And, like, I don't – like, people are taking Zeke at the end of the second round, and they're getting two first-round picks, essentially. Like, it's maddening here that we don't know what the hell's going on. Jamie Eisenberg, I talked to him this morning, and he said he'd slot him back in at third overall. I wouldn't take Zeke until the ninth overall pick behind uh, Jordy Beckham, Nelson. I mean, Jordy uh, Beckham Green and um, a, a slew of other, you know, like, the, the, like the elite wonderful receivers. analysis, the slew of others. Johnson. Yes, yes. But, but well, I, well, I, well, I would say one more thing. This is where it gets interesting to me from a legal perspective, and I've got a, I've got a, I've got an email out to my to my primary um, lawyer, and I'll let you know if he emails my my labor lawyer. Um, in DC, he's a baller. They're one of my dad's friends. But um, the if if the court agrees that there's something really fu- like fuzzy going on here, they could grant an injunction, and Zeke Elliott could end up playing the entire season. However, because the court ruled last year, and Jason touched on this, that Brady was the court basically last year. Last year was basically like, look, we agree that there's some shenanigans happening here with the Brady case. Right. However. You granted him all the power in the world. There's nothing you can do about it. We're not going to overturn the basic fundamentals of labor law in this country because Tom Brady got screwed by Roger Goodell. They might use that as precedent to say, look, we agree. There's some shenanigans happening here, too. However, it doesn't matter at the end of the day because you gave him all this power. Your injunction is not granted. Yes, suspended. And then he has to take whatever the appeal, whatever he gets from Harold Henderson on the appeal, which you would have to assume given the, the optics of how this is all playing out, will end up being somewhat reduced. And, and, and here's, here's the other thing in regards to the process. I, I mean, look, my, uh, my uh, uh, sort of thoughts and opinions on how this goes down has been long sort of documented. I thought there was a lot of baloney with Deflategate, a lot of balo- ton of baloney with Bountygate, a lot of baloney with Incognito Jonathan Martingate. Um, and there's certainly been, you know, plenty of issues over the years with this and with the process and how they make these determinations. But I would say in this case, the league is saying that Roberts had a line to Goodell and she was able to express opinions and he knew her findings. She, she wrote all that. So they're saying she didn't have to testify before, like on the 26th, when the first time that Elliot and his lawyers all met with everybody, because they had made their, you know, they had all their findings and they wanted to hear what he had to say. And they didn't need her to testify because they, they knew her opinion and it was expressed and it was written. And I don't know that she would have to testify. You know what I mean? Like, I think you could make a determination by having your investigators investigate and turn in their findings. And you have a process where you're going to incorporate that into everything else you have. And then he has these four advisors who he listens to. Um, you know, former players and CEOs and all that. And then they collectively make a decision. I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I don't know that that, that, that the fact that Roberts didn't testify is some sort of smoking gun. 
Yeah, I, I think I, no, I agree with you. I think that when you look at this lawsuit, you mentioned Kessler's Shakespearean tongue. There's a reason this dude is a multi, 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 multi millionaire. He's a really good lawyer. He's brilliant. No, but, he's 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 brilliant. Yeah, and like you read this stuff, and, and like I mean, I'm telling you, like I was reading it this morning, and you're like, this is insane. The NFL has botched this. Zeke Elliott has a slam dunk victory case. Zeke's going to play all 16 games. I'm texting my buddy. We own this team together. I'm like, dude, we're getting Zeke for 16 games. And then you kind of take a step back and you're like, wait a minute. Like, you're telling me that Roger Goodell just didn't talk to the lead investigator? Like, of course he talked to the lead investigator. He, I mean, like, it, it, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's, it's impossible to believe there's a conspiracy to get Zeke suspended. I think the NFL is just bureaucracy and a zoo and you know, just red tape all over the place, and dudes messing up extend, you know, dudes messing up investigations all over the place, and they just don't know what to do, and 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 that's sort of rearing its ugly head once again, like it has. All right, so so here's the deal, and, right? And, and, so- and, wait, real quick too, in terms of conspiracy, I will just say this: Friel seems to be one of the central figures in here. I'll go back to my reporting from last fall at the league meeting, where. I was told by numerous sources who were present that Jerry Jones went off on Friel in mixed company late at night at the hotel bar where everybody was staying for that league meeting and that he made it clear to her in no uncertain terms that he didn't think she had a case and that that got kind of heated to the point where he basically, you know, I'm told she didn't really say anything. She just let him unload. But, you know, then he, he kind of got yanked out of there. Like, so I'm not surprised, you know, even though that in this case, Jerry Jones, I guess, technically is the NFL. It's clear he doesn't think his guy should be suspended. He said that publicly, constantly for months now. You know, I, I, it almost seemed like a lot of people in the league thought going back to the fall that he thought she had it out for him, maybe because she's what? This whole thing about her being a former Giants fan or former Giants ticket holder. Like, really? I don't know. You know, I mean... Like, this comes down to fandom? You're willing to stake, you know what I mean? The league's reputation, as tarnished as it has been through these sort of investigations before, I'm really supposed to believe that she wants the Giants to win the division so badly that she hatched a collusion plan no behind the scenes to make sure this guy gets suspended six games, even if he did nothing? I mean, maybe if like she were like in like seventh grade and like was obsessed with the Giants, maybe we're talking about rational adults here. Yeah, like I don't think she's drawing Giants logos no. on her legal <laughs> pad while she's taking testimony from people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, hearts like I hope not. Initials. Yeah, that would be that would be bad. So this is the deal. It's our last podcast coming up until Monday. And Pick Six podcast, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in, leave those five star reviews. We appreciate them. You keep pushing us up the charts. Thank you very much. Spread the word if you like what you hear. People have got fantasy drafts coming up this weekend. People are going to want to know what the hell's going on this weekend. So nothing's set in stone. And who the hell knows what's going to happen. But, Jason, give us your educated guess here as we're going to be off now until Monday. I, what you think's going to happen here? I have no idea. I don't think anything's going to happen this weekend because it's Labor Day weekend and the league's not going to put a ruling out over the weekend. And I don't think a judge is going to grant an injunction on Saturday or Sunday. Will we um, see Zeke in week one, in your opinion? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have an – like, I – I don't even, I don't know, like, in order for me to have an opinion, <clears throat> I would have to know, like, this judge's case record, you know what I mean? And, and their rulings on labor issues and whether they skew management or, or, you know, labor. And even then, when you talk about a seat, I have no idea. 
I don't know how you handicap that. I mean, sometimes this stuff is just bigger than football. I'm sorry if it obliterates somebody's fantasy draft. You know what I mean? But it's like, I don't know. They shopped it there, right? They put it in that jurisdiction because they thought they had a fighting chance. But it doesn't mean that that someone's going to read this and say, no, that's frivolous. Or, no, I don't see enough evidence to put to to counter this. And there's also about to be, you know, a 100-page, I'm sure, news dropped by the NFL when they submit their file. You know what I mean? When they respond. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's I just, wish I could give people fantasy football advice in regards to this, but um, I don't think the league is vacating the suspension. I can tell you that much. They may lessen it, but I don't see them vacating it. And it's going to come down to whether this judge grants an injunction or not. It's just insane that we're about a week away from the Cowboys-Giants next Sunday, and like, we still don't know what the hell's going on here. And, and here's the I, other fascinating thing. I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole on this particular topic, but I do think it's worth noting here. Will brought it up, like the swath of power that Roger Goodell holds that was granted to him by the Players Association in 2011. It feels to me, Jason, and you can tell me if you, if you disagree, that like we are staring down the barrel of another work stoppage coming up in 2020 with the CBA Another? I mean, they missed one preseason game last time, right? What did they lose? The Hall of Fame game? Maybe. I feel like maybe one game during the lockout. I mean, there hasn't been a real work stoppage that affected the actual product of the NFL. I'm not talking OTAs. Since 87. I I just think now that, like, everyone's going to try to scare you with doom and gloom because that's all they can do. It's too far out to actually negotiate. It's time to ratchet up the rhetoric and, and win the hearts and minds and the NFLPA's only real ammo right now is to convince you that, you know, they're willing to strike. I mean, there's a no-strike provision right in the CBA. Like, that's already agreed to. I'm not saying that they can't violate it, but, like, <laughs> when you put that in paper, you, you, you kind of sort of uh, take away some of that leverage. I mean, getting 1,800 guys to forego paychecks, I, I just – I'll believe it when I see it. There's, they're going to extend these broadcast deals. They've got – billion coming in in reallocation fees. The ratings will be closer to normal this year. It's not an election year. A lot of that stuff is going to settle down. They still want to move a team to London. They've got increasing by the year online rights and streaming rights. There's too much money. There's too much money. I I don't see it. I don't mean, again, and I'm guessing three years out, but if I'm an NFL fan, the last thing I'm sitting there, um, you know, wringing my hands about is 2020 labor unrest. I mean, we'll see, but, you know, we're going on 30 years now of these sides when it really matters, ultimately getting it done, because, again, they're dominating the the, the pro sports landscape in this country, and they're trying to continue to grow it abroad. I mean, let's say there's a team moving to London in 2021. Like, you know what I mean? We're going to miss four or eight games in that first season. Come on, man. I, I mean... Well, Jason, the other thing too is that what people might not understand is that when the when the it's sort of like a long con by the NFL because when the PA agreed to the last um, collective bargaining agreement, they thought they were helping out the, the 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 middle class and the veterans, and they're actually getting completely screwed. So these older dudes who aren't making as much money are having a hard time getting as many games. Right? You're seeing guys leave earlier and not and because they're you know obviously teams are willing to to bring on cheaper labor in the form of rookies on these on these low cost deals and as a result you're going to ask all these these guys who are already aren't getting paid to strike for, for, for like and to give up all those paychecks no chance in hell are they going to miss games it's a situation where i think in my mind 
you're going to see over the next whatever, whatever, three years, whatever it is, you're going to see D. Smith do a bunch of these angry interviews. Roger Goodell is going to sit down with cable networks and in a cardigan and a button up and talk about player safety and the importance of really taking care of our players and the long term growth of the game and the safety of the game. And they're just going to do this on cycle. And they're going to say the same talking points. And then what's going to happen is they're going to negotiate for a little while. We're going to think football might go away. And then the, the union is going to like say, all right, look, we're going to take Roger Goodell loses some power and we get to smoke weed. And those are going to be our big blinking talking points. The NFL is going to be cool. We're taking away preseason games, adding more playoff games, moving to London. Everybody's making money and let's play some football. And it's going to get going. It's going to, it's an obvious play out to me. And I don't know what the other, like, you come in any negotiation and you, you start out, right? Like, I'll never do this. This could never happen. We draw a line here. Oh, yeah, we're mobilized. We're ready to walk out. And at the end of the day, you, you, you incrementally, over the course of, in this case, probably 18 to 20 months, nudge a little close together, and then you might get further apart again. But at the end of the day, both sides know if they maim the golden goose, it's not good for anybody's bottom line down the road. All right, so we're going to have to see how the situation plays out. When we hit you back later to start of next week, maybe we'll have informa- more information, but maybe we won't. Who the hell knows? So uh, we'll keep you covered here. Yeah, look, on the, it's on the right. I mean, we might not find yeah. out till Tuesday the what the deal is. Um, so let's, let's hit on a couple other things before we get out of here. First off, um, Will, you have been all over this all offseason. Jim Ursay finally coming out and saying that it doesn't look like Andrew Luck's going to play. Hmm, I wonder <laughs> really? if he gave you that yeah. idea. Yeah, Maybe thanks. that he has barely thrown and hasn't played yet in the, uh, in the preseason or really in training camp. So it looks like it'll be Scott Tolzien. Maybe Stephen Morris. But I mean, really, who the hell cares when you're, uh, when we're talking about quarterbacks of this level, Will? But the Colts really have bungled this up, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, like I've been saying, I mean, like, and not like I'm some like mind. Reader. You just look at the tea leaves and the way things are going, and like time frame. For oh, lots. you don't have to be a mind reader. You just have to have like a functioning brain to see it. I think. Right? Yeah, but like, but it's just been ignored. Everybody's like, "Well, he's Andrew Luck. He'll be back." You know, it's fine. Right. Like everything's fine. Nothing. To, they look like Officer Bar Brady from South Park. Like, move along, people. Nothing to see here. Everything's fine. No, not everything is not fine. Your 150 million dollar quarterback is. He's like not going to play week one. Get out of here with this not totally out stuff. They're playing it like like the Cowboys did with Romo last year, trying to trying to act like there's some hope here. I think he's going to miss a quarter of the season, and I think it might be more. And I think what's going to happen is Andrew Luck is saying, forget this. You know, we have a bad roster. And Chris Ballard saying the same thing. Jason said this on, on the podcast a bunch. What's more important, Andrew Luck playing the first four weeks of 2017 or Andrew Luck getting completely healthy and being ready to go long term? Yeah, I mean, look, you got to be careful what you say because you're asking people to pay money to see this stuff. So you're messaging to your fans through the media. So, I mean, anybody who's, like, parsing out their words, Pagano, Ballard, everything they say publicly, the owner, they've got to play it. Like, we're doing everything we can to get them back on the field immediately. You know, this is our year. The division's wide open. But, like, he had major surgery on his throwing shoulder. He has not even been really he's thrown on the side a little bit but not ramping it up not throwing consecutive days you've got two quarterbacks who you're going to be playing in games like if they go they're not gonna go morris off the bat but let's say they go to la and get destroyed you know and tolzien looks horrible and now you got a young quarterback for the like he needs rep. like you still have to play those games so like he needs reps the other guy luck you don't even know how his shoulder is going to respond after the first week of throwing, much less a full week of practice. Like, just start doing the math. I mean, 
I don't know how he like, like this so, idea that oh then he'll just come back week two. Well, there's three real practices the following week. What's the division of labor going to be? There has to be more of a long view. So I think he's missing multiple games. I've been saying that since I was in Indianapolis weeks ago. Me personally, I, I know people in Indianapolis look at this like it's treason. I'd keep him on pup. Yep. Six weeks. So what? You eliminate the question. I'm not every single day. I'm not being hounded about Andrew Luck when you know in your heart of hearts he's not going to be ready to play for several weeks anyway. You keep him on pop. You need that roster spot. You may need three quarterbacks in the first month of the season, given the offensive line and given the fact that Tolzien's not going to run away from anybody. So you know what I mean? I, I mean, I, now I get why they're not doing it because they think that'll send a bad message to to fans. But I mean, if I'm a rookie general manager, I, I, and and you know, you really know he's not playing at least three or four games, then. I, I I might just keep him a pup, but I understand why they why they they blanch at that. But the guy is not. I don't think he's playing in September. I don't, and I have been of that mind for quite some time. Football is back, and look, you're not going to have Andrew Luck in your week one lineup for FanDuel. Why? Because he's not going to play. The wait is nearly over. Fantasy football for everyday fans. That's what FanDuel gives you. New contests start every week, so no busted seasons. It's got something for everyone. Tons of contests to choose from starting at just a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Now, our guy Pete Prisco, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing with FanDuel, so he probably will have Andrew Luck as the quarterback in his week one lineup, but you, dear listener, you know what you're doing, and your FanDuel lineup could very well be a winner. Over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Sign up today. All you need to do is go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use our promo code PICK. Again, FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use our promo code PICK. Let's hit some quick hitters from the preseason, gentlemen. Last night, um, Patrick Mahomes looked pretty good for the Kansas City Chiefs. Jason, you tweeted it. At some point this year, it's tough to imagine Mahomes not getting on the field for Andy Reid. Look, I've heard, dating back to when Doug Peterson was still ostensibly running that offense for Andy Reid, but we know it's Andy Reid's offense, that there's been a lot of frustration there, that there are chances for – Alex Smith to push the ball downfield and he's just been so browbeat from the time with Harbaugh where he basically saved his career and turned him into a game manager and convinced him not to turn it over that he just can't or won't let it go. And they're not saying BJ Cutler, but they're saying three to five times a game, brother, like air it out. And he's, it's just not in him and they need that element in their offense. And if they are a little bit stagnant and that division is as good as I think it's going to be, I think they're going to the kids sooner than a lot of people probably would have thought on draft day. Um, they believe in him. I know it's just the preseason. <coughs> Excuse me, but I've heard nothing but glowing things. And at a certain point when you're really trying to get over the hump and it's about trying to win in January and have a dynamic enough offense to move the ball on good defenses – Alex Smith, he what he is, is is proven. And you know that that gets you to a certain point, and that's really it. You know, it reminds me a little bit, actually not even a little bit, a lot about the, uh, the Colin Kaepernick situation with Alex Smith in San Francisco. Yes, it's a, it, exactly. You get to a point with Alex Smith where you know you could probably get to the playoffs with him, but you ain't getting over the mountain. And eventually winning your division is great and all, but you got to win some games in January. Um, yeah. 
So Nate, Nate Peterman will look decent last night for the Bills. 9 of 11, 81 yards. Tyrod Taylor was at the game. Both he and TJ Yates have concussions. So, I mean, it looks like Taylor will probably be ready for week one against the Jets, but really, who the hell knows? Jason, what are you hearing about that? And what have you heard about Nathan Peterman here to give Bills fans maybe some optimism or pessimism? Uh, I mean, I I think it's less than ideal to be playing <laughs> Peterman in regular season games. I, I don't think that's... Uh, what they had intended, but I saw him a little bit live against the Ravens in the third preseason game. Um, you know, he struggled in some ways, but I, I thought had something he, you could work with him. I'll put it that way. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, you know, it's, it's a concussion. It's a brain injury. You never know quite how they'll respond. Um, they feel pretty good about what he's been telling them, but you know, same old thing, man. Baseline test next week. You know, they send the stuff off to Pittsburgh, the independent neurologist. They compare it to what it was before. And then, we, you know, we find out if he gets cleared or not. I, I think they're hopeful, but you, you never know. Um, guy wakes up one morning with a headache, and that changes the process. All right, so so let's hit two other things quickly to end the show. DeAndre Hopkins, he gets the huge contract extension from Houston. Five years, $81 million, $49 million guaranteed for the Texans star wideout. So God bless him. Rick Smith doling out contracts like Oprah Winfrey doles out free cars. So good stuff from Ricky Smith uh, and the Houston Texans, or not. But good for DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best receivers um, in football. Um, JLC, we've got cut down day coming up tomorrow, which is Saturday, as we record this on a Friday. Anything you're hearing about any potential surprise cuts that we should be aware of? Nothing riveting. Um, no, n- nothing Nothing that would knock your socks off. I mean, we'll see a lot of action. We'll see a lot of trades because teams aren't used to cutting 40 guys all at once like this, and they're looking for value, you know, searching other people's trash for their treasures, but I, I don't suspect we see any sort of blockbuster or anything like that. Um, I don't think we see any moves that change the, the, the power structure of the NFL, although smart teams will be able to identify good quality depth players that other teams are missing on, and they'll do what the Patriots do in particular, which is find guys who do one or two things really well and then bring them in there, and because of the strength of your overall team, you only ever have to ask them to do those one or two things. Um, that, I, I will say this. Just keep your eye on them. As for as good as they are and for as low as they pick in the waiver order, watch watch how many waiver claims they make. About two minutes left here in the show. Let's touch on Joe Hayden. We had the news that he was released on Wednesday, Wednesday's edition. He signed with the Steelers later on Wednesday after we recorded. And for me, like the, the, the big thing on this is I think it brings them – I don't know if it makes them – able to beat the Patriots in January, but another cornerback, even though Hayden's not what he once was, I think it brings them, Jay, a little bit closer to the Patriots now. Um, Yeah, it can't hurt. They expect him to be a regular starter. I know he's been hurt a lot lately, and I've been down on him in recent years, but he had a stellar, stellar offseason. Not just a couple of good preseason games. He had a stellar offseason from the first day. To the last, and there are a lot of people completely stunned as to why a team that bad would merely give away a player that good, other than saving money. And that does it for the Football Friday edition of the Pick 6 podcast. For Jason Lockhanfora and Will Brinson, I'm Nick Costos. Keep leaving those reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We appreciate it. You are pushing us up the charts. Thank you very much for that. Next week, week one in the NFL. We're going to have a huge week of shows for you. We're going to break it all down. All the analysis, all the fantasy advice, all the gambling and betting advice. Our picks against the spread. Can't wait for it. Coming up next week right here on the Pick 6 Podcast. Enjoy Labor Day weekend and we will talk to you on Tuesday.